You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter number 9 and verse number 31. The Bible says, Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. Verse 32, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keepest covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem uh, little before thee, that uh, hath come upon us, on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people, since the time of the kings of Assyria, Unto this day. Howbeit thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts once again, and we certainly don't ever take for granted the privilege that we have to hold your word and to read it and to study it. I pray that we would apply it today, and I pray that we would see you do great things in us and through us. And I pray that you bless these dear folks who are here this morning. Thank you for them. Thank you for our church. And thank you for the the blessing we have to have a church family. And I pray that we would be grateful and thankful. And I ask that you'd help us to encourage one another and pray for one another. And uh, to do all we can to strengthen the work of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see in this passage the manifold mercies of God. We saw it last week, but here again we see it in this passage of Nehemiah chapter 9, and I'd like for you to see in verse 26, this is where we'll we'll pick up. I didn't have Brother Dan read the entire portion. That would be from verse 26 through verse 38, but for sake of time, um, we read just a smaller portion. But notice with me in verse 26, the Bible says, nevertheless, they were disobedient. Now, we just saw last Sunday all the blessings of God. We saw all that God had done for Israel. And this is a a review, really, in Nehemiah 9. This is a review on the history of the nation of Israel and all the things that they had gone through. Well, God blessed them. And notice in verse number 25, and they took strong cities and a fat rich land and they possessed houses full of all goods and wells were already digged and vineyards and oliveyards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. And now in the very next verse, the Bible says, nevertheless, they were disobedient. Wouldn't you think when God blesses us and God does so much for us, Wouldn't you think that we would want to obey him? That's that's the way it ought to be. But how many times have we all been there where things were going good? God had blessed us. God had provided for us. God had maybe answered some great prayer or given some great victory. And the next thing you know, we find ourselves again drifting away from God. That's where the children of Israel were. I see number one in this passage, I see their disobedience. It says in verse 26, they were disobedient. But it goes a step further. It says they rebelled against thee. They they rebelled. The Bible tells us that rebellion 
is as the sin of witchcraft. God hates rebellion. But that's what God's people were doing. They were rebelling against the authority and the laws that God had given them. It says they cast thy law behind their backs. Literally, they, they said, we don't even want to see this book. We don't even want to see God's laws. And, and literally, it's to, just to throw something behind your back, to discard it, to cast it away. I don't even want to see it again. That was their attitude towards the things of God. The Bible says in verse 26 that they slew thy prophets, which testified against them to turn them to thee. They took the prophets, the preachers that God sent. And you know why God sent prophets? God sent prophets to his people, not to make their life miserable, but to make their life better. It's an amazing thing when you listen to the word of God and you obey the word of God. It's amazing how God blesses you. But God always blesses obedience, but God promises that he will curse disobedience. And they got tired of hearing the preachers telling them what they were doing wrong. And so they said, we're going to solve that problem. We're going to kill the prophets. Now, friend, I hope that uh, you haven't had those thoughts recently. Amen for that. But I wonder, what is your attitude towards the preachers and the teachers and the spiritual authorities that God has put in your life? You know why they're in your life? For your good, for your benefit. You know why I get up on, uh, on Sundays and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights? And you know why I preach what the Bible says? I promise you this, it's not to be popular. Because if I wanted to be popular, there's a whole lot of stuff I would leave out of my preaching. Let me promise you that. But I don't get to pick and choose. I have been given a responsibility to preach the word. To be instant, in season, out of season, when it's popular and when it's not popular. And so I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, how can I torment the people at Victory Baptist Church this week? No, you know what I do? I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, help me to preach what the people need. Help me to preach what you have for me. Help me to preach your word to them. But they, they treated the prophets with disrespect and disdain and they literally slew, they killed the prophets and they wrought great provocations, the Bible says. That word is blasphemies. I see number one, the disobedience of God's people, but number two, I see their destruction. Verse 27, therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them. That word vex, it means to oppress. You know what God's children experienced? They experienced the consequences of disobedience. And those consequences were their destruction. When I was a boy, my parents had rules for our home. How many of you grew up in a home like that where there were rules? Did you notice I did not say suggestions? I did not say ideas. I did not even say guidelines. Because those rules were not up for debate. How many of you grew up in a home like that? Yeah. And if you disobeyed those rules in the home that I grew up in, there were consequences. Now, I don't know that I'd quite go so far as to say the word destruction, but it was pretty bad. Let me put it this way. When I got done disobeying and I got done facing the consequences of disobeying, I didn't want to disobey anymore. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? 
Well, God deals with his people with consequences for their disobedience, and their consequence was destruction. God delivered them into the hand of their enemies, and they were oppressed by their enemies. Notice number uh, three, I see in the same verse, verse 27, it says their enemies vexed them, and in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies. Thou gavest them saviors, deliverers who saved them out of their hand, uh, the hand of their enemies. Number three, I see deliverance. In the time of their trouble. Oh, isn't that just like God? When we are in trouble, God does not push us away. God does not plug his ears. God does not ignore his children. But in the time of our trouble, when we cry out to God, aren't you glad that God is there with ears that are listening and with arms outstretched? Aren't you glad that God's willing to pick us up out of a horrible pit and lift us up out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock? Hallelujah for a God that hears in the time of trouble. You're here today and you may be in a time of trouble. It may be trouble at home. It may be trouble at work. It may be trouble with your health. It might be trouble with your finances. It might be trouble with your emotions. But I got good news. We have a God who listens and hears and rescues us in the time of trouble. But he's not going to rescue if you don't call out to him. You think you don't need his help? We act like we don't need God. Well, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to take care of it on my own. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you this. We have a God that hears us and delivers us in the time of trouble because of his manifold mercies. Notice with me, verse 27, God sent them saviors. That word saviors, that's little s. It's talking about deliverers and, and judges and kings and people that, that help them in their time of trouble. I'm thankful that God has sent some deliverers in my life throughout the years. I'm glad God has used some people to help me. God has used some preachers and God has used some Sunday school teachers. God has used some family members and God has used some friends and God has used some church members to help me and to encourage me in times of trouble. Thank God for those kinds of people. But let me remind you this morning, that's the way we ought to be for others when they're in trouble. We should not be the ones that we see a church member that's in trouble and, oh, let's get them while they're down. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I'll tell you why they're in the mess they're in. Oh, let me tell you about how bad they are. Oh, no, no, no. When somebody's in a time of trouble, we ought to be quick to go to their aid. We ought to be quick to go and help. And we ought to be quick to go before the throne of grace to pray for and to help and to give them victory in time of trouble. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that there is another deliverer who showed up. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know what the name Jesus means? It means Savior. Boy, we were in trouble. We were in trouble in our sin. We were in trouble. We couldn't get, we couldn't get out of our sin. We couldn't get to heaven. We were destined for hell. 
But I'm so glad that God sent a Savior from heaven that would save us from our sin and would give us eternal life and give us new meaning and give us new purpose and and change us from the inside out. I'm glad that God sent a Savior to this earth. In this Christmas season, don't ever forget why Jesus came. He came to save his people from their sins. There was deliverance, number three, but number four, I see their downfall. Verse number 28, but after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Now, do you not wonder sometimes what the problem was with these people? It's like they didn't get it. They get in trouble and God delivers them. And then they go back to the same mess and God delivers them again. It's just like a cycle over and over and over again. A lot like us. I should say a lot like us, a lot like me. Do you ever feel like that sometimes you're on the mountaintop spiritually and then very shortly after you're down in the valley? You ever feel like you, 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 you can't lose and then another day you feel like you can't win? The Bible says that they, verse number 28, after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore thou leftest them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Verse 28, yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. I see their downfall. Their downfall was that they had rest. Their downfall was that they thought they were doing good. Their downfall was they didn't think they needed God. But they realized they needed him every single day. They needed God in every situation. You may be here today and maybe you're saying, you know, pastor, you're talking about people in times of trouble and you're talking about people going through hard times and you say, pastor, that's not me. I'm good. Uh, things are good with my health. Things are good with my family. Things are good with my job. Things are, I feel like everything's going great. And here's what I say to you. Wonderful. I'm so happy for that. But even in your time of prosperity, you need the Lord. And even in the time of blessing, you need the Lord. And don't ever let that time of blessing cause you to think that you are relying only upon your own ability or on your own strength because we need the Lord's help. And when they had rest, they went back to doing evil. Verse number 29, God again testified against them. uh, He testified against them that thou mightest bring them again into thy law. Verse 29, yet they dealt proudly. And hearken not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. And they withdrew the shoulder and hardened their necks and would not hear. Those terms, to withdraw the shoulder uh, or to harden the neck, it speaks of their stubbornness. It speaks of their rebellion against God. Friend, I want to remind you today, the Bible says that he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. God hates pride. God judges pride. And don't get to the point where you won't listen to God. Don't get to the point where you won't heed the word of God because of your stubbornness. They dealt proudly. Verse number 29, that same phrase is found also in verse number 16. They dealt proudly. They would not hear. Verse number 30, yet many years didst thou forbear them. That word forbear is the idea of having patience. That's an amazing statement. The Bible says for many years, God was patient with his people. 
How many of you today would say, I'm thankful that God's been patient with me? Would you attest to that? I'm thankful that God's been patient with me. You know, I'm not a very patient person, and most of us, if we're honest, we're not really that patient. We try to be. We work at it. But God is a patient God. The Bible doesn't say for many minutes. That's our idea of patience. You know, I waited five minutes. Oh, I'm, my patience is up. I waited for five days for that. And hey, No, no, no. God waited. God was patient with his people for many years. He did forbear. And he testified against them by thy spirit in thy prophets. How did God warn his people? He warned his people by the Holy Spirit of God speaking to them through the preaching of the prophets. You know why it's so important to come to church? Number one, because God commands us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Number two, we need to encourage one another and we need to be encouraged and we're a family and we need to be accountable. We need to work together. We need to dwell together in unity. But you know another reason why it's so important to come to church? Because God uses the preaching. It's not always the preacher that says the right thing, but God uses the preaching so that his Holy Spirit can speak to you about something that you need. Uh, you've heard it before. Uh, we were just talking. I forget who I was talking with. I don't know if it was Brother Dan or Brother Nathan the other day. But it's interesting to me how I will preach on a, a, preach a message. And after I'll preach a message, somebody will say, you know, Pastor, God used that message. And they'll give me some specifics in the message. And I'm thinking, that's really not even what I was trying to say. But thank God he can use the, the mumbo jumbo from this preacher and the Holy Spirit can translate it to you and he can give you what you need. You say, oh, I think that's just an honest mistake. No, I believe it's the Holy Spirit of God because the Spirit of God knows exactly what you need right now. The Holy Spirit knew you were going to be here. The Holy Spirit knows what you went through this week. The Holy Spirit knows what you're facing this next week. And God can take his word and the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. That's exactly what happened in verse number 30. It says, yet they would not give ear. Thou for, that, therefore thou gavest them into the hand of the people of the lands. Verse 31, nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. I see their downfall. Their downfall was that after God blessed them, after God answered their prayer, they had rest, and they went right back to their wickedness, even in spite of the mercy and grace and the patience of God. I want you to notice in verse 33, I see quickly number five. I see the decision of God. It says in verse 33, How be it, thou art just in all that is brought upon us. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. I want you to look at verse 33. And I want you to read with me the second half of that verse, beginning with, for thou hast done right. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 33, beginning with the phrase, for thou hast done. Ready? Let's read it together. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Let's try that again. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Can you try it again? You probably, probably don't need to look at the words. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. You know, that's a good thing to remember in your life that God never makes a mistake. 
Whatever God has done, whatever God has allowed in your life, he's right. You say, well, I don't agree. In all kindness and in all compassion, I want to say this. If you don't agree with God, he's still right and you're still wrong. If I don't agree with what God has done, then God's still right and I am still wrong. God doesn't make mistakes. God is right. His decision, he's never made a wrong decision. How many of you in this auditorium, those of you watching online, those listening on the radio, I can't see your hands, but I can see the hands in here. How many of you have ever made a mistake in your life? Let me see your hands, all right? I'm just looking around the room. If somebody next to you does not have their hand up, give them an elbow and say, you just made one right there because you didn't raise your hand and you should have. We all make mistakes. We are all human. But when we stand before God, God is going to be able to say that he's never made a mistake. God's never made an error. He's never had an uh-oh moment. God has never said, oh, no, I forgot about that. Now what am I going to do? God is right. I see the decision of God. God's people had done wickedly, but everything that God did was absolutely right. Verse 34, the people acknowledged that they had sinned, that their kings, their princes, their priests, their fathers, uh, that, that had not kept the law nor hearkened unto thy commandments. Uh, wherefore, thou didst testify against them. Verse 35, for they have not served thee in their kingdom and in thy great goodness that thou gavest them and in the large and fat land which thou gavest before them, neither turned they from their wicked works. Then I see verse number 36. I see number six in this passage. I see the word, I'm going to use the word duty, but I see this principle in verse 36. Behold, we are servants this day and for the land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof, behold, we are servants in it. Brother Dan in Sunday school this morning, he talked about the fact that we are here not to be served, but we are here to serve. That is the responsibility of every Christian. We are servants. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Did you know we're supposed to serve one another? We're supposed to serve people as Jesus would serve them if he were here. But not only are we supposed to serve others, but we're supposed to serve God. We are servants of God. And the people said here in Nehemiah chapter 9, we are servants this day. We're just servants of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the duty. That's the responsibility that God has given us. Now, if you're the boss, you get to call the shots, right? If you're the boss, you get to say what's going on and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this. But if you're the servant, what do you do? You say, yes, sir. I'm just a servant. I'm just here to serve the master. I'm just here to serve the one who has put me in this place. I want to tell you, God has put us in this place. God has given us the life and the breath and God has given us the abilities that we have and we belong to God. We are his servants. That's our responsibility. That is the duty that has been placed upon us. 
But number seven, you're wondering why I was going so fast. It's because I've got 43 points. No, 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 not 43. I've got eight. But here we go, number seven, very quickly. I see in verse 37. I want you to notice this verse. I, I've read this verse many times. I hadn't quite seen it before, like I saw it uh, two weeks ago in preparing. It says, and it yieldeth. We're talking about the land. There are servants in the land. And it yieldeth much increase unto the king's whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. And they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. So the children of Israel, because of their sin, they, they experienced judgment and God placed their enemies over them. So the enemies were the ones who became the, the, the boss and the, the children of Israel were the servants. Now, obviously, they're servants of God, but in this case, they're also having to serve some earthly masters that were wicked. And it says in verse 37 that the land had much increase. You know what that, that means? There was a lot of fruit. There were a lot of crops. There were a lot of benefits. And all of those blessings should have belonged to the children of Israel. But because of their sin... They were not the ones in charge. They were under uh, uh, outside uh, rulers and they were under outside kings who were wicked, who were judging over them and ruling them. And so all of the blessings from the land that should have been theirs, they were handing it over to wicked kings. Now, hang on, hang on just a minute. That means that all those blessings should have been theirs, but they missed out because of their sin. Now, you know where I'm going. Did you know there are so many blessings in our lives that we miss out on because of our sin? I'm gonna call this number seven, the deprivation. The deprivation is that sin robs you of blessings. Let's, let's give a few examples. And I'll start with one that is personal to me. I am a pastor and my wife and I have had the privilege to serve here at this church for uh, almost nine years. Um, we have been in the ministry now for 21 years, and we love serving God. It's a privilege that we have to serve God. But did you know, my wife and I, we went to college with people, and we've known people over the years at different ministries and different places, and we've known some people, and, and I won't say this about her, they, they were not more talented than she is. She's a lot more talented but I've known a lot of people who are a whole lot more talented than I am. But you know, they're not serving God in a ministry anymore. You say, why not? Because of sin. Now, does God forgive sin? Absolutely. Does God restore because of sin? Oh, absolutely. God can forgive and God can restore and God can cleanse. I'm thankful for that. But I want to tell you, sin always robs you of blessings. Sin always robs you of all the things that God wants to give you. Sometimes sin robs you of time. But I want to say this. Sin will deprive you of the blessings that God intended for you. But because of your sin, you're going to miss out on them. How about this? How about a family? How about a marriage? How about children? Can I tell you, there's so many blessings. I thank the Lord for my wife and I thank the Lord for my children. And some of you in this room, you've been through some, uh, some times and maybe it wasn't your sin, it was somebody else's sin. 
But, but maybe that created problems in a family or maybe that created problems with children or whatever it may be. And I want to say this. I, it is my desire for, for myself. It is my desire for you that we keep our families together. It is my desire that our children grow up to love and to serve God and to, and to be in a home that honors the Lord. And that ought to be your desire. But sin is going to destroy that. Sin is going to rob it and sin has consequences and sin will deprive you of blessings. We could go on and on, but how about this? Sin deprives you of peace. And I understand some people have, 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 have situations where they have to be on medication and they have to go to the doctor. And I'm not saying you should. I think you need, to, you need to do what you believe is right and what God would have you to do. But I'll say this. I believe that there are some people that the reason for their stress and the reason for their frustration and the reason for uh, all that they're going through, it is because sin has gotten into their lives and that sin has not been dealt with. And sin always destroys and sin always robs, and sin will rob you of the blessings that God has for your life. We could go on and on, but I'm going to stop with that for number seven. Number eight, I see there's a determination. It says in verse 38, and because of all this, we make a sure covenant, and we write it. And our princes, Levites and priests, they seal unto it. The children of Israel said, we have seen all of this in our fathers. We have seen all of this in our history. And they said, and we don't want to make the same mistakes. We want to make a determination to do what is right. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, it is my desire for you that you would determine with God's help and by God's grace that you're going to obey God. You're going to walk with God. You're going to serve God. You're going to do what's right. That you won't rebel. That you won't uh, stiffen uh, your, your neck and harden your heart and turn your shoulder away from God. But that you would say, Lord, we are your servants. And we're going to do what you want us to do. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.